Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving. Now, in season two, The Cannamom Show continues on its mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. Go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back, and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. Welcome to The Cannamom Show. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back. Thanks for coming back. Quick check-in with Dave. I know it's been another... Just another week in America, people. I know we're talking a little bit, not COVID, we're talking about Van Halen. Oh, My son's yeah. a musician. Everyone knows. Yeah. That as, was we re- sad. as we record this, Eddie Van Halen passed away the day before, yesterday. And yep. yeah, just another reason to be sad in 2020. A lot of great music, great memories. The poor guy's been suffering for many years, apparently, though. I know. I've been and, reading. I didn't know much, but... um. I'm sports stupid and a little music stupid, but I know a lot about pot. So <laughs> if, <laughs> if Eddie had stuck to pot instead of uh, yeah, boo- exactly. booze and drugs, he, he might have stuck around a little longer. Sad to say, but truth. Yes. But uh, so we're here because we talk about health and wellness. So we're back today, people, to talk more health, wellness, business. We love cannabis. So I'm going to do a quick intro to today's guest and then we will start the show. So let's talk about Shanita. So today's guest is speaking with us from Baltimore, Maryland, and she is the founder of Budding Solutions. Isn't that just another great cannabis business name? We're so clever. So <laughs> absolutely. I, you wonder when they're going to run out of all these clever names, but there's a lot of names crap. for cannabis. Yeah. So there's like a lot of, there's a lot of options. So Budding Solution is a boutique cannabis consulting firm that provides a variety of consulting and management services, including project management, application preparation, operations management, cultivation operations, marketing and product development for startups and established organizations in the emerging cannabis industry. 
And Budding Solutions' mission is to change the perception of cannabis on a global scale. I love that. Through the creation and management of compliant and successful cannabis businesses, because that's where we're going to do it. In addition to working with businesses, today's guest also helps individuals and families safely grow cannabis at home, which is something I literally need help with. She is an internationally recognized management consultant with 16 years of experience helping Fortune 500 companies and startups solve complex issues and improve business performance. After years of working for a large brewing company, she transitioned into cannabis. Combining her world-class corporate experience and a passion for cannabis, she is changing the perception of cannabis on a global scale. Welcome to the Cannamom Show, Shanita Penny, founder and CEO of Budding Solutions. Welcome. Hi, Joy. Mm. Hi, Dave. Hello. Welcome to the Cannamom Show. You're, um, we talk to a lot of health people, and you're on the business end, which is something I talk about a lot specifically with women in this industry. I talk about how women are elevating the professionalism. You're one of those people for this industry to grow and become the health and wellness and gold standard of what we know it could be. We need people setting up businesses. So that's why we need you. (laughs) So let's talk about, so you came into this industry from alcohol. So do you want to just talk maybe about your transition and how you got here from where you were? It wasn't uh, exactly coming from alcohol. My experience was with consumer product goods, uh, alcohol, uh, motorcycles. I've done it all. (laughs) And uh, before transitioning to cannabis, I was a software consultant. So I knew software, I know supply chain, and I went into any industry and was able to apply those solutions. The transition for me, I thought, would be a lot like my typical consulting. Here's a new industry. I'm going to learn everything I can about it and apply what I know. And then I woke up and realized, no, this is a new industry, newly regulated industry. And things were going to be a lot different. And so it wasn't just business for me. I had to get involved with policy. So that's, again, so again, this is is why I'm in this. And I talk about this for women. They can transfer their skills. I talk a lot about women who are moms, who literally, little people don't raise themselves. A lot of us took time off and this is actually a new industry that's being built. So we can make the rules and it's a good place to come in because it's different. We can build it differently, which is what your mission is to make sure that this is, there's a lot of specialty about this, like literally, not just from country to country or state to state, but town to town. And that's what it, I can see it. So you need to know a lot and be very trustworthy and oh, the compliance absolutely. and the organization. That's the organization of this because I guess, what's the reputation of people who used to grow cannabis? The reputation of stoners who are lax, <laughs> but this is this is medicine. This is health and wellness. This is big money. So we have to be very careful with our compliance and we have to be very careful with our structures and those need to be set up correctly. Absolutely. So that's where you're coming in. So let's talk about what are you states are you working in? How are you doing this? What's your grand vision, Shanita? I started out in Maryland. That's home. So when Maryland legalized medical cannabis in 2015, I jumped at the opera. They actually legalized in 2013. It took until 2015 for them to actually open it up to business. And when that opportunity presented itself, I dropped everything. I was on the verge of starting a new project um, with a government contractor. I was going to be working with a government contractor. So I was going to have to be, of course, uh, marijuana free. 
Uh, that was something yep. I was looking forward to throughout my career. When I changed jobs, I, I did have to consider that as a consumer. In those couple months it took to detox and be presentable for the workforce, uh, it takes a toll on you, especially when you are managing your wellness with cannabis. An so, interesting topic, because I actually hear that. Shani, that's an interesting thing that we talk about, that in order to be a professional, yeah. in order to be a respected, regarded professional, you actually have to take, you have to give up your medicine. But you don't not the way we talk about drinking. it. I know, okay. but you don't have to stop drinking or take your opiates. So again, this is an interesting discussion of what people understand cannabis to be and what right. it actually is. And you're changing that. All right. So you're, yeah. So literally coming out of corporate America, one of my last projects, I had a client who was upset with timeline and budget as it related to this project. And he threw a laptop across the room. This is so like typical corporate environments, not in all of them, uh, but it, it, it was very typical. I remember one of my colleagues coming up to me later and she says, how do you keep your cool? How'd you stay calm? And oh, that's funny. That so well. And so I'm literally stirring a cup of tea and I'm stirring <laughs> infused honey into it. Yes. And I'm just like, oh, you just got to stay calm in the face of the storm. Meditation. And, <laughs> and it's really the weed. It's cannabis. It's weed. But again, think how much better our country would be if we could all just connect with ourselves and be one and stop taking it out on other people. It's, Absolutely. It's, yeah. So this is, again, health and wellness. I'm just going to keep saying it every five minutes. It's going to get in your brain. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So, so you're all right. So, you're, yeah, no, I, I leave corporate and I'm in cannabis now. So okay. I come to Maryland and I am just applying my skills in project management. I've worked in a couple of startups that were not cannabis. So I just wanted to transition my existing skill set. I didn't come into the space to cultivate. I didn't come into the space to run a retail operation, but I do know how to structure those things. I do know how to manage them and I understand processes. And so uh, my first two clients were applying for licenses in Maryland, um, highly competitive. You know how that goes, especially yep. on the East Coast in the limited licensing markets. And we submitted 16 applications and we did not win. No. But I took everything I learned and I went to Pennsylvania and shared with not only the legislators and to be regulators what we learned in Maryland, but then just rolled up my sleeves and went at it again. So um, what, I just come back to that. So what were you finding out? What was going on? What were the worst practices? What were the best practices? And what, what was really, you know, the idea that just to put in an application, you need a professional who couldn't even get it through. So what are the things that and, and this comes always comes back to social equity. Yeah. who has access to capital, who can afford to hire somebody who's doing this the right way. So again, so what were some of the things you saw when you transitioned or you were going to Pennsylvania to talk about it? Yeah. So what we saw in Maryland was that there wasn't a focus on diversity and there was not any conversation around social equity in Maryland at that point. Uh, and the reality is that I would not have qualified for it anyway, based on a lot of the qualifying, what you have to do to qualify. Um, so that's evolved over time, but it's taken folks that are advocating for that. So going into Pennsylvania and saying, I had a client who not only had the capital, was politically connected to some extent, right? Because the people who won were even more politically connected. And the conversation in Pennsylvania was, how do we get folks who are first and foremost, from this state involved in this industry, yes. how do we do it in a way that attracts legacy operators 
And how do we yes. do it in a way that ensures that these businesses will be responsible, uh, not only to the community, but to the larger world as a whole? Yes. And there are a lot of conversations. By the time we got to Pennsylvania, we saw additional points for veterans and women and minorities. But we didn't have the checks in place to ensure that these weren't just straw men, that these companies right. weren't just putting out a face. And so we, we took that lesson learned and, and we've shared that with other states, but we still haven't gotten it right anywhere. Yeah, this is, again, anyone who's not involved with the minutiae detail that you are, that the social equity issue is that we're trying to, the communities that were harmed the most should have access to this industry because this is a growing industry. And I'm going to talk about a book later about building capital in America, but this idea that there are communities that they didn't come in, it's hard to catch up when you're behind. Yes. And we're trying to set up a system not to give someone, I don't know what people, uh, to give people who could really benefit from this industry to build a legacy for their families, for their communities, and to build capital and growth in a community. That's what we're trying to set up. And we're trying not to have it ruled by big businesses ruled by a bunch of white dudes in New York. I just, you know, that, yeah. (laughs) And in addition to the industry and the business opportunity, the communities that were decimated still need to be repaired. They still need, that still needs to be reconciled. So the conversation and the idea that giving licenses to people, that's going to fix it. I just think that we've just really. There's a bigger conversation. There's a bigger conversation. There's more that we can do that really levels the playing field. When we talk about health, when we talk about education, when we talk about opportunities for other businesses besides cannabis, because that's what's lacking in those communities. Oh yeah. Amen. I'm going to talk about this later, but anyway, but we're just talking about cannabis because that's all we can control. So in the cannabis industry, we are trying to do this in a way of advocates who are out there now, who is trying to get the legislators who are, remember, legislators are followers. They pretend to be leaders, but they are following us. So if we give them good information, they can make good policy. So this is what your mission is. Oh, absolutely. Trying to guide people in a way, because people, there's a million billion things to know. And we have to claim that we have some knowledge that we can pass on to help not, to help create this industry in the right way. So that's what you're doing. All right. So that's Pennsylvania. So then what happens after Pennsylvania? And so... After Pennsylvania, between Maryland and Pennsylvania, I actually moved to Denver and it allowed me to work in the space in an up and running industry. And it really just revitalized me. It was like, wow, you've gotten beat up on the East Coast, but here's Denver and here's opportunity. And I had amazing clients that I worked with there. I quickly joined the Minority Cannabis Business Association when they launched uh, in 2016. Within a year, I was leading that organization and did so until last year. And in that time, we did exactly what you said. We met with legislators. We brought information to them. We took their work and created real tools for municipalities to implement social equity. And I talk a lot about business, but I have to talk about the policy equally because without it, folks like myself won't have an opportunity and folks that are even less positioned, uh, less well positioned, uh, they certainly won't have an opportunity. So what was going on? So I don't really know how Colorado does their politics. Like I know Massachusetts is very local role. Yeah. Each little community, they have a couple of people who may or may not get paid, who make a lot of these decisions. So is that similar in Colorado? Who are you talking to and how receptive were they? And did they, Colorado, obviously it's worked much better in Colorado. But what were some of the things extent. that worked well? In terms of a small business owner, want a Colorado resident who wants to be a cannabis owner, it's relatively easy compared to many other states. But my policy work really didn't 
happened in Colorado. While I was based there, I was in D.C. I was in the state of all of these places that are trying to figure it out. And so while they were looking to Colorado to copy and paste what they'd done, the folks that I was working with were saying, hey, Colorado's good, but here's where they're course correcting. And so today you're actually starting to see a lot of that work that Colorado's been doing over the last few years to course correct in their social equity uh, program that was recently announced. In the pardon of all of those marijuana convictions that was just last week, it was just announced. And so, so yeah. you're seeing a very mature market, relatively speaking, go back and do the things that we should be doing day one. And so what it says to other states is do this day one. And so you're seeing that in New York. You're seeing that now in New Jersey. Oh, you are. Okay. Progress. Absolutely. And, they, and this is at the state level, not at the local level. They're right. putting in better. Okay, smart. Yeah, interesting. All right, that's good. That's actually helpful. And <laughs> so, metal, so just where else are you involved? So you've been legislated like at the Washington level. Are you yeah. going more state level? What do you, What do you think is the next thing coming? What's your next big focus in terms of, I don't know, business or advocacy? I'm a co-founder in a Pennsylvania cultivation and manufacturing business. And we recently announced um, that we've been acquired by a publicly traded company. So uh, I'm excited to share with the world that I've had my first cannabis exit. And I think that's a story that we have to Oh, that is. Do do I name names or are you going (laughs) to? Sure. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Uh, Again, based in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Is that true? <laughs> did it you is. pick that intentionally? That, how did that happen? It's all, it's all a coincidence, really. But it worked out well. And it was, for me, this is the capstone. I've done it. And explain why that is so important. Just that thing, not the everybody. Big, yeah, explain you know, the we bigness were, of it. We won one of 25 licenses to grow cannabis in the state of Pennsylvania. We built that operation from the ground up. We cleared out acres of, of you know land that had not been Uh, used for anything in quite some time. The only other thing, the other large employer in that town is a Guinness, a Yingling or Guinness factory. So there's beer there. Um, They had open arms and and welcomed us into. How uh, big a town is this, Shanita? Small town. Town, little town. When you start talking about diversity in a small town where less than 1% of the population is black, you've got to really start to dig and talk about what really makes up a a strong community player and what does diversity look like? What does, you know, supporting the community look like? What we found out was that there was a huge concentrated veteran population and these folks weren't finding good employment. So here we have an industry that needs Oh, that is perfect. We need, the supply chain is everything. We had folks that have this expertise that want to work and we have now a company paying a livable wage in this community. So for me, it was a, it's amazing. Perfect. All right. Again, this is an industry. This is an American industry. People are American. This is in our country. We can employ lots of people bringing back people who are manufacturing level, really. Right. People coming in at you know, all different levels of work. You have executive, obviously, but you have a lot of the manual labor part of this. Is it just, is this is a real industry. This is amazing. That's great. That's actually, that's what a nice did that town welcome you? Like, how did it happen when you came in? Oh, yeah. Oh, they, they did. Okay. Yeah, my, That's the thing that well, they're named Pottsville. I don't know. You, <laughs> you, have to, you have to connect with the community first. You have to prove that you're going to be a good community neighbor. Business so what were some of the things that you did? Actually, so people listening who are trying to get this in their own states. So what are some of the things you did at a local level that really made a difference, do you think? I have always been about education. Before I even went into 
Pennsylvania to apply for a license. I was there in Pennsylvania educating folks about what the opportunity looked like. This is what's going to happen. At some point, the state of Pennsylvania is going to release an application. When that application is released, you need to prepare, be prepared to do A, B, and C. And just giving back to the community in that way, helping folks understand the power of going to Harrisburg and act asking for exactly what we want. What we saw in Pennsylvania was the opportunity for folks who were not within um, a certain distance from a dispensary to home grow. These are the things that you should uh, be doing if you're going to start your operation in that place. You can't be the cannabis grower that's saying, hey, we don't want you to grow cannabis at home. You only can buy ours. That's, that's, inter- that's interesting. That's interesting. I know. It's. I think it's also a, a woman thing. We can always talk about women leadership that I do believe women use power differently. I don't know if it's the one who have kids and our brains are changed. I don't know what happens when you have a kid. It pops out and something happens. You just see the world differently. And we know that it's not a limited pie. We're going right. to keep making the pie. Everyone's got some pie. If we can't hold on to our own stuff, it makes it worse. So I like this idea that you're sharing this knowledge with your community and, and, and explaining to them that why your products, quite things, this product can be used on many different levels. So it's not just a one shot deal. What you're doing could be a very different product than what you're growing in your backyard, but they're both useful. Right. Yeah. So I like that. All right. So what's your, what are your biggest ideas for cannabis? Where are you going with this? So you've sold a company, you got your consulting firm, you're going global. What's the next thing? (laughs) Yeah. What's next for me is interstate commerce. What's next for me is ensuring that the farmers in Washington and Oregon and California have an opportunity to have a national presence if that's what they want. I also want us to think a lot more about the environment. Mm -hmm. Um, What we're doing in creating these large indoor grows on the East Coast um, is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And we have to create paths into the industry that someone doesn't need $20 $20 million to even, you know, have a chance at. Exactly. And so we're looking to do that with interstate commerce. And so right now, our Sensible Markets campaign, States Can't Wait, is where I'm focusing a lot of my, my time and energy. And I believe that it's going to be the path forward for not only those farmers on the West Coast, but also those product manufacturers and distributors and retailers that have been a part of this industry for so long that when, you know, cannabis becomes legal in their state, they don't stand a chance in hell of even having a business. And the industry and our communities are suffering in turn because there's still a lot of cannabis that's being purchased that's not regulated. Exactly. So So it's not as safe as it could be. And we're not seeing the tax revenue. Yeah. So again, it's like that transition from illegal alcohol to legal alcohol. I don't know what all the steps were, but somehow we did this. We can do this. We did it for the most part. We have to learn from alcohol because as Uncle Nearest, who's the creator of Jack Daniels, it wasn't until the last five years that he was even given the proper credit for what he did for that brand. And so now what you've seen is this entire uh, campaign and new product uh, that company has launched in an effort to pay homage and also do what's right. Because we know that a lot of industries, a lot of brands are built on people, women, uh, black people, other minorities, and not given the credit that they deserve. And so when we start talking about doing things better, that's a lesson learned from the alcohol industry yes. that you know we are seeing play out right before our eyes. 
All right. So this is, that's good. That's a good lesson. Yeah. So again, so what are you doing actually in terms of interstate commerce? Did that have to be federally taken off the Controlled Substance Act first? How does that work? So, yeah, <laughs> we can't steps. wait for that. So states yeah. can't wait. So what we are looking for is an interstate commerce pact. We're looking for what we call producer states, which are California, Oregon, Washington. And then you've got your, your the, the distribu- distribution and retail states, the New York, New Jersey, Michigan, those places. So right. what we're looking for is the approval at the state level for oh. two states that are legal to say we're going to allow interstate commerce. Really? So we've got great support in California and Oregon and Washington. I'd like to get Nevada on board. There are amazing brands in Nevada. Um, oh, they're there are big, amazing yeah. cultivators in Nevada that are creating brands based on celebrities and, and folks right. from the East Coast and being able to leverage these operators in a way that shows the federal government that, hey, again, we had to take it up upon ourselves as a, ourselves yes. as states to do this. And now we'll take it to the next level. And again, we can't wait for federal. That's interesting. I have, I've actually never heard anybody. So you basically someone could ship something from California to Massachusetts if they agreed. Well, yeah, we'll have way. to figure it all out. But we have examples. Um, New Jersey and New York have amazing agreements between the two, the Port Authority. And, and right. so we're looking at examples like that to, to innovate how we're doing cannabis business. I love that. That's a great innovation because there are all these products in California that all my friends keep telling me about that I cannot get. I know. And since we've been like, I'm stuck on the East Coast because of COVID and I did not appreciate how much access I had when I traveled to California for business or Oregon or Colorado. And yeah, it's been hard on me uh, as well. That's interesting because I keep talking. I talk to women all over the world, all the country, even in Canada now, but no one can. I don't know. There's all these things that no one can send me because can't get them. All right. Oh, yeah. right. Shanita. Awesome. That was good. All right. So we actually do have to take a break. Okay. Uh, we will be right back after this break with our guest, Shanita Penny, CEO and founder of Budding Solutions. We'll be back on the other side, a little bit about my favorite thing. Stay tuned for a message from my friend, Amy up in Canada, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Amy from Hip Lives, an online virtual community with admissions surrounding health in progress. Our Plants Not Pills holistic approach to health aligns you with support, education, products, and specialists through our resources and foundation in, well, you guessed it, cannabis. We also have other natural health solutions too for living your life with your health in progress. So that's why it's Hip Lives. And we're especially excited to collaborate and share our space with our friends at the Cannamom Show. Aligned in the core message, we invite all of you to visit hiplives.com and listen to host Joyce Gerber as she dives deep with Cannamoms each week who share their stories and attest to the healing powers of cannabis. Tune in to season two of the Cannamom Show and join the community at Hip Lives to embrace the culture. Also, join me as your new co-host on the Cannamom Show, where Joyce and I spearhead the airwaves in a North American takeover, from her roots in the U.S. to my voice here in Cannamoms Unite. And we promise that's not all you'll find, is you too can get involved, access our support and strategy to business services, align with our brand partners, and truly benefit from the space where holistic lives are shared. Hope to see you there. Woohoo, and we are back. So yeah, Amy is coming on. That is a little tease. End of the month. Dave will still be here. Don't worry. But she's going to come and sit with me maybe once a month. I can't get rid of him. You guys say woohoo the exact same way. Might get confusing. Maybe maybe that's why we found each other across the border. All right. So before we go back with my guest, uh, Shanita Penny of uh, Budding Solutions, I just want to do a little, I don't know. I've been doing some random favorite things. They're not always cannabis, but they have something to do with cannabis. So I actually talk a lot about social equity on the show. 
And before I delve deep into cannabis, I actually have a degree in urban policy and was very involved with housing development. So I love nerdy housing policy stuff. And this morning I was on a, a Ladies of Cambridge date. It's a weekly breakfast meeting and we always have interesting guests. So this morning we had Richard Rothstein, who is an academic, and he wrote a book called The Color of Law, A Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America, which is something that I understand intrinsically. We live here in Boston. Oh, you got it too. Oh my God, Shanita, we're so on the same page. (laughs) So again, we talk a lot about in this country about things like people just want to live together or these communities, we don't know why they look this way. The truth is... We built wealth. We build wealth through housing in this country. That's one of the things that happens. And my family, we are Jewish, but we are white. And my parents had property. And that is how we built wealth over generations. And now I have my own home. But I worked in these low-income communities for many years, communities in Boston, like Roxbury and Dorchester and public housing. And there's this weird idea that these communities are not valuable, but really what they are is that we have sucked the value out and we didn't give the value back to people, which is what this discussion is on terms of these are government policies. These are literally government policies that created these worlds. So if you want to understand we're in this moment, Black Lives Movement, it's hard for people to see other people, but this is a very down to earth. It's academic in some ways, but it's about something you can see, housing, how housing, the value of housing can impact human lives, and to come back to cannabis, these, again, this is a very expensive industry. We talk a lot about that, about having the money to set this up. And Black communities, if you look at the statistics, it's just, it's miserable. It's just, it's unbelievable, actually, the difference. And that if you don't have personal equity in your home, which is one of the things people use to finance businesses or to send their children to college, you are disadvantaged. So again, I would recommend this book, The Color of Law. You can learn something about your own community. You can learn something about someone else's community and see things differently than maybe how you saw them before. So that's my little favorite thing. But the other thing I want to talk about today is that I've never had cannabis delivered to my house. So I decided I wanted to do it this morning just to see what it was like, just to talk about it, because I talk about it all the time. It was pretty interesting. They drive up in a white, non-disclosed van. There are two people in it. They open up the side. They are fully covered, gloves, hat, mask. They're very safe. They have a lot of, you know, electronics with them and you sign stuff off and you have to check all your IDs and they give you a receipt and they hand over your stuff and there it is, people. So we've come a long way, Massachusetts. What kind of package does it come in, Joyce? A white bag. Just a white bag. Okay. (laughs) Like the child child safety containers. Mm -hmm. But they used to do it like when the... The message, I don't know if you ever went to the rec, when they first started doing it, mm-hmm. they would have the child safety plastic containers that had the cannabis inside this other like really hard to open plastic bag that was not intuitive. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was a ridiculous amount of, it's not plutonium. It's a plant. <laughs> and, you're, and you're ordering from a local dispensary that's bringing it over or is it like an... Yeah, it's literally, it's, it's uh, the one, it's actually in Davis Square. I actually like to walk there, mm-hmm. but I was just curious and I want to see maybe in the winter, I'm not going to get out. I don't know. I just want to, mm. I want to talk <laughs> to see what it was like. So it is very safe. It is very easy. It's just a plant. They deliver to your door. He's a very nice person. My neighbors didn't look at me funny. Everyone knows what I do now. So yeah, if you want to try it, go for it. Mm. I have a question for you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Did you tip your delivery? uh, (laughs) No, I didn't. Am I supposed to? That was a question. Actually, I was going to go like, do I tip them? Do I give them money? Is 
Do you allowed to touch things? I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I brought this up because I'm actually a co-founder of a delivery company in Oakland. Oh, okay. And yeah, so, that's good to know. This is a delivery etiquette because I actually didn't know what to do. <laughs> I, we've been talking about it a lot because delivery has been on such an uptick with COVID, right? Places that didn't allow delivery before made temporary regulations to allow it. And we're having those codified into law so that now patients have access like they should have from the beginning. But yes. I say that it is best to tip your delivery driver. They are typically working for the company. A lot of them are not the owners of these companies. And so I just think it's courteous. They're at this particular point exposing themselves to an additional hazard, just giving the state of the the world. And uh, yes, I would encourage folks to tip and take care of these folks that are putting their lives on the line to, to bring you your medicine. All right. That is excellent. And so Sarah Natural, if you're listening, I will order again next week and I'm going to tip you. Maybe I'll give you, I've been making masks, cannabis masks. So I'll give you one of those too. (laughs) That's actually good. I don't know. It's like um, higher etiquette. Yes. It's just a lot of etiquette and cannabis. Quite sure this is a new thing. So, all right, people, that was good. A tip. So we are back with my friend Shanita. Um, Just going to round up this conversation about cannabis and women. I always say this should be a woman-led industry. Specifically, it should be a black woman-led industry. I think our entire country should be led by black women. I think you've just done a much better job. I I think this is a world that we've kind of like, we've been flipped upside down. So what do you see? How do you see women stepping up and leading this? Men are finally understanding that children don't raise themselves, I think, because they're all working at home. Mm -hmm. A lot of women are dropping out of the workforce, which is... So upsetting, but I am hoping that maybe this is finally a time in our history when we understand that no career paths are linear. No one goes directly from one thing to another. Everyone takes time off to take some time off. How do we envision a new world that allows people to care for each other, be productive? And how can cannabis be very specific? Do you see any? You set up systems. So what do you see coming down the road? Prior to COVID, we saw a decrease in the number of women that were leading cannabis companies. And there was a lot of conversation about that last year. And one of the things that I noticed and from talking to women in this space is that as these companies got bigger, as this industry got larger, uh, as more money came in, a lot of the passion that women brought to these companies and these projects, it was being pushed out and it was stifled. Sometimes it was about the bottom line more than the people the patients and, and, and consumers. And so women were taking a step back from that because it wasn't what they signed up for. Oh, that's true. That's actually true. I do see that a lot. That's interesting. Yeah. So we saw that prior to COVID. And then here we are in a pandemic and everybody, things are just shifting. Everything is shifting. And so now what you have is this light being shined on all things, equity and gender, equality and race. And so I think that what we're going to finally see is that a lot of the the backbone, a lot of the work that was being done is typically by women and typically by women of color. And they're not given the, not even just given the credit, they're not paid equally. We know all of this and it's, and we just, somebody rang a bell and and now we've got to fix it. And so What we're seeing now are cannabis companies thinking about what that board makeup, thinking about the board makeup, they're thinking about their leadership and who's on the front line, who's dealing with a customer in this particular community. And I'm happy that visibility is there. I'm hoping that it's not going to be just a bunch of lip service, but that is still to be determined. Doing a lot of um, conferencing, you're an educator. So are you doing, are you speaking engagements? Are you talking to people? What are you doing in your 
than your home while you're oh, yeah. <laughs> is this I'm, your mission? I, I yeah. think everybody in the world has seen this uh, very pretty. background now. I, oh, I got my I got my thing back there. Yeah. <laughs> I um I am. I am still doing quite a bit. I was just I spoke yesterday about sustainability at the cannabis sustainability symposium. The week before that, I talked about race and cannabis with the International Cannabis Bar Association. So I'm definitely still uh, making it a point to talk about what's happening in the industry. Talk about what's happening in D.C. because that isn't stopping. Everybody's uh, in an uproar about Trump putting a halt to the talks about the coronavirus relief package. And if you didn't know, we had all of the safe banking language in the HEROES Act. We need that legislation passed because everybody in this country is suffering. Uh, The cannabis industry needs that passed because we have continued to step up as an essential business and we still don't have access to anything more than just basic banking services. We don't even have that. I didn't even, I, just, I want to talk about You're this. Right. I'm already out of time. Don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I talk about when I finally got a checking account, it was like I had a baby on LinkedIn. People were so happy for me. I'm like, <laughs> I got a checking account. Like seriously. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, but the legislation. So I know they were supposed to take some kind of votes. Was the House going to step up and actually vote? And now is, is that completely off the table? So Are the you House, on the inside? The House definitely um, did what they were supposed to do. And now we're, and now everything is at a standstill because Trump doesn't want any more talk about the COVID relief package until after the election. So we're at a standstill on safe banking. So yes, the banking issue. Again, America, making money. That used to be our thing. Like we used to be good at it. This is a money making thing. Like why aren't the banks, and the banks want this, don't they? And the investors want it. Everybody wants this. You would think if, if banks are so hard pressed for cash that they're taking illegal money from foreign <laughs> North Korea, yeah. uh, then it seems to me that they would figure out a way to allow this legitimate industry to bank. But we'll Great. get it with safe banking. When we get it is, we'll see. <laughs> okay, my last question about legislation. So are you seeing any people running for office coming up? I don't know how closely you follow this who are actually like running on a cannabis platform. Is that happening yet? I'm actually quite <laughs> disappointed. Kamala Harris has come out and talked about more. It is her piece of signature legislation. As I talk about this with folks that are much more well-versed, what they've said is that if she's the vice president, then the MORE Act passes. The Senate's not going to pass the VP's signature piece of legislation. Um, It's just hard for me to wrap my head around this being signature legislation when she hasn't really been a, a champion for it in the way that Representative Blumenauer has been, in the way that Representative Barbara Lee has been. And then you still have this crazy game of politics, which I will never understand, because as much as Barbara Lee champions cannabis and equity in cannabis, she voted no to add cannabis to the DNC's platform. So it is it's hard to understand at times. Politicians are literally leaders. They're leaders pretending they're followers pretending to be leaders. So they are following our lead. We need more people like Shanita out there talking to people. I talk to people all the time, obviously. This is just this is the next thing coming. Our leaders, our politicians could step up and help create an industry listening to our voices. So that's what I'm gonna say there. All right. So I'm actually out of time. <laughs> um so Shanita, thank you so much for coming and talking to us. Again, her company is budding solutions. What's the best way for people to find you, reach you, connect with you? 
BuddingSolutions.net. If you're interested in interstate commerce, check out SensibleMarkets.org. And if you're looking for dank delivery in the East Bay, check out ShadyPinesBoxClub.com. Wow, you are to everything. I love that. Okay, so thanks to my Canna Bro, Dave. Are you a little quiet today? Right Any questions? <laughs> I did actually. Did, I will ask you one quick question. You, you get ideas pitched to you, right, about new devices and things like that. If I don't know if time permits, but can you give us an example of either a great idea or a really poor idea or one of both? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, one of my favorite ideas actually came from a young lady up in your neck of the woods, Chanel Lindsay with the decarboxylator. Yes. She's been a long time since She's I've a Northeastern seen... Law School friend. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I know her from Northeastern. Yeah. She's Very the first cool. person I knew, the first lawyer I ever knew who was in cannabis. She was on the cover of my, uh, my law magazine. And I'm like, yeah. what? So, so <laughs> that, was, that was really cool. And recently I was pitched um, about American made vape cartridges. So these vape cartridges are no heavy metals. They will not uh, cause you to fail your testing. Like some of the devices that are manufactured in China. And so I'm excited to see American manufacturers take back some of the pieces of the puzzle uh, that we depend on so much in this industry, both from a sustainability standpoint, as well as just the health and wellness perspective. We talk about cannabis being medicine, but we've got to ensure that folks can consume it in a safe way. Oh, yeah. yes. All right. So there you hit it first. All right. Thanks, Dave, for stepping up. Thanks to the Cannamon Show social media team. Janice, you're doing a good job. Thanks again for stepping up and helping this week. I want to thank Josh Lampkin and Bella Jaffe for writing and performing the Cannamon theme music. And of course, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cannamon Show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one can of story at a time. Please follow us on social media. Subscribe anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamon Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.